Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk of experiencing an electrical blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. These things are sweet because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash meat eater. Hey, if you're looking for a thermal device that does pretty much everything on the planet, check out Pard Optics FT34 Thermal Front Clip-On. It is a game changer in thermal. It's a versatile three-in-one device with a quick detach mount for easy scope attachment, eliminating the need for re-zeroing you know, every time you put it on. It offers features like one-shot zero, PIP mode, blind pixel correction, auto hot target tracking, Wi-Fi connectivity, and, this gets my kid very excited, video recording to a 128 gigabyte micro SD card. You can even use it as a compact handheld spotter for scouting. This unit does it all. Check out the FT34 as well as many other great optics at www.pard, that's P-A-R-D.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. All right, we're recording from the I-70 corridor in central Colorado. Is that cool, Yan? That's cool. Yeah, we're in a place that, that, that Yanni is extremely nervous that someone will suss out where we are i feel like they could look up Giannis patels and just figure it out <laughs> yeah but don't tell him that because he'll get nervous <laughs> so we're at a very secret location on the i-70 corridor and um you call it are you still comfortable yeah do you really feel like it counts as I-70 corridor, though? Because I feel like we're a little far away from I-70 to count. See, here he is. He's just <laughs> 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 All right, here's, here's a hunt story for you. Now, the hunt story starts out with me. The prelude is me getting a big old buck. How'd you like that, Brody, when I got that buck? That was, well. Brody liked it a whole lot. I liked it a whole lot. Then a couple days later. Uh, we go out to to uh, try, try to find a buck for Yanni. And I can't tell you the, where we were. And go out and what happened first? We glassed up some does. Mm-hmm. Then 
We're you also could. looking for an elk for you. Yep. Looking for an elk. And then Yanni glasses up a buck coming kind of down across below us. We're up on a perch looking down into some aspen groves and big meadows. And Yanni says, you first noticed something was wrong with it. Yeah. Like his face just looks gnarly. His face looked messed up. In the eights, you couldn't really tell. Turns out as the buck gets closer, he's got one regular antler. And he's got one antler that is laid down. If I'm remembering this correctly, if I saw what I think I saw, his antler was sort of laying down across the bridge of his nose. And then the, the hook of the main beam was wrapping down around under his chin. Mm-hmm. Now, I have seen, in the past, I've seen bucks that, had a, that would mess up their pedicle. So the, the, the part of a deer, like the skull of the deer, the thing that the, that the antler protrudes from when it grows every year is called the pedicle. And I've seen deer that have damaged their pedicles. Or just have a squirrely antler. And I saw, I remember seeing one where the antler grew down and then punched out the deer's eye. You haven't seen that? I have not. Yeah. Well, my old man used to, when I was a little kid, my, my old man was the, was the local dude who scored for Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett and whatnot. So we got all manner of deer over at our house to look at. And so I saw this buck. And I thought it was a crazy, squirrely looking buck rack. And buck I told Johnny, I said, shoot, it's a buck of a lifetime. Then we noticed that he was gimpy and had a very bad limp. And I think what happened to that poor buck was I think that uh, he might have got hit by a car. Yeah. The I-70 corridor was Along that Along the kind. I-70 <laughs> corridor, which we weren't terribly far from. That or the uh, – um, he got really beat up in a fight. Or he got in a fight and, the, and got locked horns of the buck. The buck broke his skull plate. Punched him in the back leg real hard, <laughs> and he cra- so so he crawls up into this little aspen grove, and I was thinking he'll pop out the other side, and then Yanni's going to take a crack at him, but he never emerged from the aspen grove. We made a plan to, that we would later in the day go over and jump him out of there and assess just how bad a shape he was in. If you I've done this in the past. I shouldn't admit this because you, cause you it's against the law. I have in the past been out hunting and euthanized deer that, uh, that I encountered. But you didn't tag them. But didn't tag them. Yeah. One time I was on a little teeny island, and we uh, found a deer that had been hamstrung by coyotes or something. And it was, I mean, it was mostly dead, but not all the way dead. One way ten, beyond salvaging. Oh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a mess. It was a pathetic mess. Um, and we, we helped it along to where yeah. it was headed. And then two times I found deer that had been, had sh- poor shot placement on the part of some other hunter, and they were in, 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 in bad, bad shape. Now, but yeah, if you, if you euthanize deer, you got to put a tag on it. When right. I was a little kid, I remember deer swam, two times deer swam our lake and got hung up in fences. And one time, deer broke its leg, and we didn't go over there, and, and, and we called a game warden or a cop or something. The cop came out and shot the deer and said that you cannot shoot that deer. Yeah. You had that happen, Brody. Yeah, totally did. In, in my backyard, basically, I called the Division of Wildlife, said there's a deer with a busted back leg. It's in really rough shape. 
game warden came over and wouldn't shoot it because it was in the in a neighborhood. Basically said, I can't kill this deer safely. What's going to happen is going to happen. And what happened is that deer probably got killed by a dog or, yeah, you know, something. When I was a little kid, we were coming back from tracking a deer. And I remember it was one in the morning. And my dad was driving a 1979 Jeep Grand Cherokee. And he hit a deer. So we're coming back from tracking a deer and he didn't, that we didn't find. He hits the deer. Gets out and throws the deer up into the back of the Jeep Grand Cherokee. I'm riding shotgun, and my two brothers are in the bench seat in the back. We start down the road, and all of a sudden, my brothers are screaming because the deer is now standing up <laughs> in the back of the Jeep Grand Cherokee. I remember my old man pull over the side of the road, drag the deer out of the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Fully alive. Cut its throat, loaded the back in the Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we proceeded on our way home. And I think the next day, if I remember right, this is a long time ago, he notified the police, and they brought him over a permit for it. Yeah. Well, Montana recently set up something where if you, you hit game, you can take it and, you know. Yeah. That's another law I broke a whole bunch of times. Those is that in Montana, you weren't allowed to have roadkill. Yeah. Now, though, recently, last couple of years, you can. Yeah. Non-trophy game. So you can't keep roadkill sheep, but yeah. you keep deer and elk, maybe. The but you still have to notify. If it's got horns, you got to report it. Yeah, I think either way, actually, I shouldn't say yeah. it. I, I used know, to break that law and kind of half hope that I'd get caught because I wanted to go to a judge. I thought it'd be fun if the fine wasn't that bad. I thought it'd be fun to go into a court and be like, yes, I am guilty of salvaging yeah, making- a deer that some guy in front of me hit with a car and it would otherwise wind up riding on the side of the road or wind up in a yep. landfill. So here I am confessing my guilt. Yeah. Like, is this really a big problem? I picked up a turkey off the road just a couple winters ago. Is it legal or illegal? I don't know. In Colorado? I have no idea. I know guys who put big bumper guards on their trucks, though. To try now, to run them over. Now in Montana with that new rule. Yeah. Just mow them now down. They hit them. So now they go out at night and they'll mow them down, pick them you up. You know people. Yes. Who purposefully go out and mow down. Well, they put a big bumper so they can mow them down. Maybe they don't go out and plan to but mow them down. But if they see one, they don't need to change. They'll speed up. And they won't swerve for because they want it for what reason? They'll eat it. Oh, really? Yeah. But if you're hitting them that hard, like, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying that you know, there's people out there that the are percentage now using of, that new, yeah, new the new percentage model. of deer that get hit by cars that are actually edible is, you know, whatever. Like, there's usually a little something. Yeah, something yeah. I had a deer on a motorcycle once. <laughs> is there did, anything did left? How that turn out for you? <laughs> I mean, I got beat up. We couldn't find the deer, but. Yeah, it's not really re- relevant, I guess. But so, what happens with this buck? Here's why we didn't make it back to the buck. This is something I've been real eager to talk about because I want to hear Yanni's side of this. Because all stories have two sides. So we walk a few miles. Well, how many miles did we walk? To where we took a nap it was probably to close where to I four. Took a nap. So we walked about four miles into the mountains. The day gets hot, ish. You kind of get the feeling like you're in that that transitional zone where it's not the morning hunt, it's not the evening hunt. It's kind of time to regroup, have a snack, take a little nap. I lay down to take a little nappy. And it wasn't perfect because the ground I was laying out was frozen and the cold kept creeping up into my body. But as I was doing this, Yanni's like wants to go over and glass into the next bowl. Yeah, I had a hot 
ticket in my pocket, so I couldn't take a nap. I was like, well, yeah. I, I better just go. With limited time. time. He encounters a horseman who is smoking a joint. The horseman. Not quite. He was about to. Stop correcting me. You're going to get to tell your version. Well, no, but you're telling my version. You told me I told that you. as you approached him, he hid a, quote, spliff. Yeah, he did. But he wasn't smoking it. Okay, fixing to smoke a joint. Encounters a guy fixing to <laughs> smoke a joint. The guy uh, starts out by inviting Yanni to come over and look at a pistol that he has hidden under a branch. Is that correct? Let me just say, <laughs> you can, you can, you can <laughs> recite my story, but you can't add things to my story. I haven't added anything. He yes. You told me he invited you over yeah, to examine <laughs> a pistol that he had hidden under a branch. No, I'm, I'm going back. A revolver. <laughs> I'm just saying, just you gotta remember what now, I Yanni told you. Which is legal in Colorado. Yeah, it's legal in Colorado. And Yanni really admires this guy. Because? Because of everything I'm gonna tell about. Oh, okay. The fella is has a can we, can we explain a spliff. A joint. Okay. A doobie. Rolled marijuana cigarette. So so with tobacco. So now Johnny Cochran here is saying. He wasn't actually smoking. He was just handling a joint. Handling a joint. Yeah, he had, I'm guessing <laughs> that it was, it was nappy time all across the, the Elk Mountains of, of Colorado. You had just fallen asleep. Yep. Uh, and at the same time, I walked in the cabin's door, and he, he was literally... There's a little cabin up here, like a little shelter. He was literally about to fire it up, probably, take a nap. probably have a little lunch, and take a nap. Tells, uh, invites Yanni to come and examine a pistol he's got hidden under a branch. Tells Yanni that he's recently been robbed uh, up there on the mountain. Tells Yanni that he had recently encountered some hippies who were throwing rocks at a deer to scare it away. He, a couple days later, killed the deer. The deer happened to be a tame deer named Fred. Uh, tells Yanni he has, he's been hunting up here on a rented horse for some number of days, has not seen a single elk in those days. He has a homemade coat on. Yanni explained that he had a shirt that he sewed the bottom half of a parka onto, which Yanni liked that shirt a lot. And uh, says to Yanni, listen, you're welcome to hunt up on this mountain all you want. But let me tell you about a uh, magical, he didn't use the word magical, a timber buck. So big that you could use its antlers as a swing set. And a person with a large posterior could still sit inside of it. Tells Yanni that it's even though Yanni's welcome to stay on the mountain, he just needs to follow the trail down toward the trailhead. Along the way, he will encounter 20 does in a land feature that he refers to as the doe condo. And a completely different drainage. Yeah, different so. drainage. Yeah. He will there what? Will wait here. Not the drainage we came up. It was a different, we had to go down. Oh, a oh, oh yeah. So, so go down there. You'll find a doe condo. You'll know you're there. And the buck, he explains to the guy, don't think it looks like a normal buck because it's, it's, and he found a bush 
to show Yanni what color the buck was, to demonstrate so Yanni would know. Also told him, another identifying feature of this buck is that it, it will not stop walking. A, so then... Up to that point, no one that had seen the buck had seen it standing stop still. Stop walking. Never stops. Doesn't stop. And has peculiar colored antlers. So Yana reports this to me, and I have a little chuckle about it. Like, ha, ah, that's funny. But then Giannis then spends the rest of his day walking up and down the trail. And we spoke to first a couple fellows who come through on mountain bikes. Then we spoke to a couple ladies who come through on mountain bikes. Then we spoke to a fella come walking up the trail on a, on a pleasure hike. Then we spoke to a gal with a nose ring come walking up the trail on a pleasure hike. Respoke to the fella who was on the pleasure hike. A uh, while later, the horseman who clued us in on the mystery buck somehow is coming back up the trail yelling at, at, with his vest half on. He had a vest with one arm on, and I heard, and we heard him yell at the at the horse that he rented. Um, he yelled, "Get up there! You're starting to piss me off!" And he <laughs> rode by on up. Three more mountain bikers rode on down. He's wearing headphones too. Wearing headphones. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. He's got headphones on. No, they're ear protection. He- uh, headphones. Oh, oh. I, okay. Um, I know three more mountain point. bikers come zooming through. And Yanni still stays, still is hunting that trail, walking up and down that trail, waiting for the mystery timber buck. Black horn. <laughs> A black horn. Okay. <laughs> that, that was my impression. Now, you give your version of how we spent our day yesterday. Although, I get, we forgot about the uh, he killed six elk with his 45. Oh, that's why he has that. Yanni was trying to figure out, was he carrying the pistol because he's been robbed or what? And he goes, oh, no. When I'm riding my horse, oftentimes I'll get into a situation where a bull will come streaking across the trail, and I pull it out, and I'm like, blam, 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 and I've killed six like that. <laughs> now, we later learn that this fella had reported to someone else that he'd seen 17 out that day. When he told you I'd seen when none. When he told Yanni, you go ahead and hunt here all you want, but there's no elk. you might elk. be interested to know about a mysterious timber buck that happens to be lurking down on yonder mountain bike trail. A ways away from where he was. Yeah, and I have... uh, The moral to this story is a story of love. (laughs) There's no other explanation of why I would have spent the day with Yanni if I didn't love him. (laughs) Love conquers all. There's logic and there's love, and that was love. I appreciate that. That I sat on that trail. (laughs) I mean, it was fun. We socialized with all manner of people coming and going but it was a frustrating day of hunting mm-hmm. now what 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 how, how do you how, how do you what 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 do you how would you describe our day this is what i've been anxiously awaiting to hear well i think that up until the point of uh you know after the base of the after the morning hunt and and the nap it's all the same and then when i leave you so, so my story was correct up till I fell asleep. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like you just left out some parts. Please. Um, so when I walk up to the cabin, 
The guy's been successful. He's hiding. He's I see. Hiding I see. I see meat hanging. He killed a deer. Yeah, they killed a couple deer. Frank, I told that he killed Fred, the oh, tame Fred. deer that the hippies tried to scare away. Yeah, so he's got meat I hanging. I didn't leave that out. He's got. He went up there with a giant crew of other hunters. They had like six or seven people out there to start the season off with. He's the last guy remaining. Because it was hot. Hard. It was hot and I mean, horrible we're like, hunting. We're like on day probably seven of a nine-day season. Okay. So pretty shitty season really for most hunting conditions. You know, I mean, we, we battled through it. It's for someone to basically camp out for seven days. I'm like, yeah. Dude's He's fucking, working hard. This guy's getting after it. Yeah. So... um as I'm like seeing him tuck away his little spliff, he's kind of you know doesn't want to show me. Up on the above the door, there's a note. Remember the, remember the note? Yeah, but this the, but the note doesn't have any effect on on the, how silly the day how, on how silly our hunt plan was. The note doesn't is it going to oh. make the listener be like, oh yeah, that was a hot tip. No, I, I just feel like it gives a little character background on, on who this guy is and, and why he's up there and, and why he's like, he's just had a bad week. Rick. He's frustrated. Let, let's do this. <laughs> Rick. <laughs> I'm an unbiased. What do you imagine? What do you imagine I'm trying to say with the story that I'm telling? We were imagining what you were trying to say all day long. Well, I think what, what, you're, the, what is what the you're point imagining? I'm trying to convey? Right. I mean, I, I glass the hillside you guys are on. So I'm thinking, all right. They're wandering around. It's big. Potentially, there's animals there, but it's multi multi user experience over there. See, I mean, I'm glassing yeah, but, up. Yeah, but 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 here. what are you you're saying? When basically, the story. What's the funny part of the story? That basically you went on like a uh, nostalgic hike with Giannis. Oh, I, I forgot. I forgot to even get into that part. Turns out that Giannis, <laughs> the first time he ever went elk hunting by himself. Some Scouting. guy wasn't even. I wasn't. Some even guy had hunting. sent him up that creek. So in the whole day, and I'm like, why in the world are you walking up and down this trail, waiting for this mythic timber buck to come out? That's so big that a large bottomed person could use it as a swing set. And it turns out that he was on some weird, strange. Memory lane trip. I don't, I don't think that's strange. That's natural. That's normal. Do you, did you, you, you also forgot about right before we actually put our packs on and started hiking down the mountain, I looked at you and said, you know what? I don't care if it's timber bucks or 160 bucks. I said, I, I feel like there's some does around here. He killed a doe or he killed a buck. His buddy killed a doe. There's some does around here. It's November 12th or 13th. Like we need to find some does. I'm kind of excited, you know? Now, this area, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a small, very, very small drainage. Long, near the I-70. Totally near the I-70. It doesn't, corner. I mean, the whole drainage might only go, how long? A couple miles. Brody, how many animals? How many Let, elk and how many Let's deer? talk about that before you get too fired up about this spot. I, yep. What are you doing? I got to take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett's out of here. I know that Giannis Dirk, Dirk is fed up. He's fucking. He's done. <laughs> I, like I know it seems odd, but I also know that Giannis has and his buddies and his brother and a whole crew of people yeah. have killed a pile of elk on that mountain. And the drainage you walk down in the afternoon, I've killed a bunch of elk up there too. Really? Yes. 
But how like, do you avoid hitting the people? One time Giannis said, if Brody had to kill an elk and he only had one spot to go to, that's where... That... I can't say the name of the drainage, but it's the drainage you came out in the Gin evening. Creek. Random Creek. Jim well, Creek. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's wet. And the honest was they- probably right. Like, if, I, if you were like, dude, you've got a day to kill an elk, where are you going to go? I, you would go up there. And I would not go in where dodge, you went. like the mountain bike. No, 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 no. Pleasure cruise. No, no, no. I wouldn't go wouldn't in where there. you went. I would go in where you came out. And listen, again, we're, we're yeah, I, the, the whole multi-recreational thing is happening because we're dealing with like this weird, like, AC, you know, seasonal. late, you know, middle of November where it, the highs are, you know, 65, 70 degrees. Yeah. Normally, the, it's two feet of snow in there. There's a lot there's of people. nobody else besides hunters. There's a there. lot of people up there that are waiting around to go skiing that would normally never be there this time of year. Yeah. I, I, Let's talk about mule deer. You act like you're trying to. You you got you guys act. Like I just you're don't. Pretty wrong. I'm I, not I trying to the prove whole thing up just to try to get a better understanding of what in the world we were doing. You were going on one of Giannis's multi drainage tours, which is he's famous for. Walkabout, a little like a little memory, a little no here, here, here. high likelihood for some animal. Here's the here's the point I was trying to make. When I was in, when I was asking hunting. you, Rick, when hunting. I was asking yeah. you what the point I was trying to make was, yeah, what, I was was trying my, to make, what was the answer that the I should have given? The answer you were supposed to yeah. give was, man, you wouldn't guess that Giannis was so gullible for uh, hunting intel. Get, yeah, he was yeah. so gullible. As to think that he was getting a hot tip and not that he was getting sent packing out of an area that a fellow was trying to hunt. By sent packing by means of an outlandish story. It's possible. The only thing I didn't understand is you guys went way past where. Because he told us a land feature that didn't exist. But he did find does at the Doe Condo. No, we never identified the Doe Condo. And yeah, we saw a Doe and Twin Fawns. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Hey, everybody. I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown 
company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video, and in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now, for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now, you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER, and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company. Working knives for working people, 10% off with the code Meat Eater. That's a good deal. On X Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. This hunting season, they will have a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like Leaf Off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back and imagery on demand. On top of that, OnX is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates OnX has for this hunting season. Try OnX Hunt free for seven days or go to onxmaps.com slash hunt and use code MEATEATER for 20% off your new OnX Hunt membership. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the app I use most. I love it. I cannot picture life without it. Use code MEATEATER for 20% off on your new OnX Hunt membership. Either way, you had a nice walk. Nice walk, yeah. You met some nice people. My story failed. My story failed. My point of the story is you think you know a guy, and then you learn that he's completely gullible and doesn't know when he's having his chain yanked. Can I have a closing thought on the whole thing? Um. If nothing else came from my interaction with him other than we packed up and hunted, I at least, hunted my way down that hill in a very keen, like, a- a elevated hunting sense. Whether it was because the timber box or seeing does or whatever, but I took a very serious approach to the whole rest of the day. That is what gets animals killed and gets animals in freezers when you hunt like that. When you're like, no, the day is over, it's hot, we got hikers and bikers and blah. Yeah, that's let's wh- get to a that's new when area. You got your thumb up your butt and you're like, oh my God, look at that thing. No, you can't see 50. We were in thick aspens. You can't see 50 yards in any direction. You hate aspens now, don't no, you? I, I kind of do. <laughs> can't see 50 yards in any direction non-stop pedestrian traffic and we're like waiting for a a a a, a, a giant antler timber buck come out Blackhorn. down the trail <laughs> i told you i was be, i'd be happy with any buck coming around i was like was, i feel like changed. there's some deer around but it was cool shit you came down through 
How gorgeous. Let's change I forgot how beautiful that place is. The thing I want to talk about that's been asked. Oh, your closing thoughts, sorry. Oh, that's how you get. No, that was it. Meanwhile, I'm over there trying to kill a buck while you guys are taking a tour of the country. And you guys were in what I would consider to be an actual hunting spot. With with occasional hiking. You know what? It's what makes our hunting spots that Brody and I share here good. Yep. It really does. Yeah. They're hard hunting spots. And I'm glad that people are frustrated by them and, and can't always understand them and, you know, or never, maybe never come back and hunt them again. I'll Sorry, be, I'll suckers. Be, I'll be hunting them again, you know? Hey, uh, there's some of your spots I'll hunt for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have, <laughs> and I've got a lot of friends that are going to like hunting. <laughs> and then when I'm laying it off the mat for my buddies, I'm going to be like, this, this is where is the timber goofy. buck lives. Yes, it's probably in there. <laughs> there's a timber buck in there. If you're feeling social, go to this place. <laughs> you want to meet some ladies? No, I, I, okay. So I want to change the subject. Um, the thing we get asked about, like e- emails come in and, and people ask questions. The one thing I think that comes up perennially, uh, that comes up often, is like, the, the, the issue of physical fitness. Hunting-based physical fitness. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Now, has everyone in here, has everyone in here done yoga? A couple times. How many yes. times? I paid for it twice. But I stretch a lot, which I feel like same yeah, thing. Yeah, yoga is stretching. <laughs> yeah, but you've paid the stretch. You've paid the stretch twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I respect good, yoga. Good oh. answer. Good answer. Cool. Here. And I know that yeah. Rick's been, been there a thousand times. I've been doing it since I was 18, which back then 98, 1998, not a lot of dudes doing the yoga. So you're establishing that you were doing yoga before yoga was cool. Yep. But you were doing it to meet chicks, and you admitted that. Nope. You took that's you said you did well, it to me I mean, too. <laughs> Backpedal. I mean, there were some nice looking ladies doing the yoga back yoga. then, but I no, that's not the place. I still to feel hit like there chicks. aren't a lot of guys doing yoga. I mean, where, where generally I half, yoga with half, my wife. Half the classes that I'm in, I mean, half the class is is men. Yeah, nearly half. I've been to yoga four times, so I have like a, a level of expertise about on the subject. Four. That's Four all? times I've been to yoga. God, you were speaking like you were a no, my wife, regular. My wife likes to go. We have date nights, and my wife likes to go. The, she, she wants me to go with her to yoga, and she wants me, then we go to dinner. So four times. We do other things too, but this is one of the things in our repertoire. Yeah. Four times we've gone. Now where she goes, it's 104 degrees in the room. So it's hot as shit. Yeah, like a tropical, tropical situation. And it's dark, mostly dark. Yeah, you go in there. It's 104 degrees. Everybody, you, you lay down. And you're already. You don't have anything on. I just wear my swim trunks. You don't have any shoes, pants, nothing. Just I, I go in my swim trunks, and you lay down on a mat, and they they kind of build you up. They invite you to. They build you up in a way that doesn't work for me, but I think it works for some people where they. Uh, they invite you to. They, they want you to. They, they like want you to thank yourself for going to yoga. <laughs> That's not true. Well, I'm not into that part of it. But they do. But I, the one it depends, I, yeah. man. There's like it's like flavors ice cream, yoga, like the, you know. Yeah. But no, I'm talking about the the place. The that one I, you you go. Have you been I'm, ever, Brody? Never. My, never my, my <laughs> wife does. I mean, there's a lot. Your of wife does. There's yeah. a lot of different flavors, and some are more spiritual based. Some are pretty just physical. Yeah, so they tell you yep. to build you up. They tell you they're like, they're like, uh, 
try to think of an example. No, no, this is beyond it. This is like something they would actually say. They say, you know, leave the world. Be, be the change the you want to see or something. No, like the that. world will be waiting for you. Yeah. You owe it to the people in your life who rely on you to take a moment for yourself and thank yourself and dedicate <laughs> this session to yourself. Right? Yeah. Then they'll be like, now take your heel and bring it up so it touches your <laughs> nose <laughs> that, I mean, and hold uh, it there for an hour, right? <laughs> and if you can't, don't worry. Just do what do feels good you to you. Do. Know yeah. that you can always come back to a comfortable yeah. position. Now put your pinky toe around to the back of your skull while standing well, on one foot. Yeah, right. And, you, and then it, you proceed to stretch your ass off for 90 minutes. Yeah. And they play really bad music. <laughs> they wouldn't need to. Like, there's good, like, you can play the national or in some rate and select radio head cuts and have the same effect, but they'll go with, like, Anya. Yeah, they need to, they need to move towards the indie radio heads. And you know how, like, they have in Square Dance, there's, like, a person that calls Square Dance? Like, grab your partner, do si do. There's, like, the lady like that wanders around sort of in this loud whisper calling the session trying like to inspire people no she's like calling square dance but calling like poses the next stretches you're gonna yeah. do yeah encouraging or I'm no she calls it she's like okay to, we're gonna do this then we're gonna do that we're take gonna, a take a step step back the fact that but i haven't started talking about the benefits no of it. there's a group of of uh of hunting guys talking about their yoga experiences right now yeah how are we circling to hunting because fitness? i think that because i think that after my four times and after yanni's experience which he's going to touch on i think that it is one of the i think it's a great thing to do for hunting fitness but you've only done it four times are you going to continue tell. to do it I, I have enough experience with physical activity and stuff that i think yeah i do i'm starting to really think so because i think as far as injury prevention as far as slinking through the woods and crawling under and over all kinds of garbage right. like holding uncomfortable positions and just being like comfortable but are you going to go pay to do it or are you just going to do it at home I think we pay to do it. I wouldn't know how to do it at home because you need the lady to call it. Yeah, you need you need a you little guy. Like you can, I mean, obviously you can go to YouTube and do. Yeah, you know, I mean that's how my saying because you're in a hot not, room full of people I, the, sweating their nuts. My wife, out. my wife does it all the time with apps and shit like that. Oh really? Does, yeah. Does she get but the it, house 104 yeah. degrees? No. It's hel- it's helpful having somebody tell you to do something you don't want to do. Exactly. And then and then when you really don't want to do it anymore, they're still telling you keep doing it. It's and also yeah. helpful. No, no they're telling you, hey, if you can't do it, it's cool. Go back no, to a happy but place. Then, but then there's you some person to the right of you that is just killing it. it up. And so you're like, I gotta prove to them that I. Yeah. It's it's also yeah. helpful when you've paid to do yeah, it because then you you're invested in it. Oh yeah, motivation. I'm the kind of guy like. If what? I paid to get in there and it turned out they were just going to beat my yeah. fingers with a hammer, I would still stay there. Right. I'm like, once you commit. It's like going to see a shitty movie, right? Yeah. You're going to watch till but the end. The reason I bring this up is like in hunting, if you pay attention to hunting media, there's a big thing of like uh, where dudes are trying to get their neck out past their ears. Big weights. <laughs> as like, yeah. As though it like has something to yeah. do with hunting. Lifting weights and like squats. I had some dudes and, like that one time. They were, they were vo- honest to God, 45 minutes into the hike, they, they were They tip vomiting. over. They, they tip vomiting. over, yeah. I, I would say that one uh, physical trait of all of us is pretty skinny upper bodies. Yeah. Like our legs are all pretty strong. 
Maybe Ooh, dirt. Dirt, 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 like dirt is a little dirt. Dermot, Dermot was just checking his bicep to see if that actually was. But true. there, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot of dudes out there that, like, on the surface are in way better shape than me. But if you go do the shit that we do, yeah. they just collapse mentally. Because there's a kind of fitness like people think that in shape means that your neck's wider than your ears. Right. But it's like in shape for what? Like if you are in a lot of fights. Like if you Corey. if you get in a lot of fights, <laughs> like Corey, is old yeah, they be like, yes, you're in shape, but like in shape means to be, it needs to be sort of like in shape for what thing? Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you were gonna, just based on limited experience, and when I'm home, like I get a lot of cardio in out hunting. When I'm home, I do weights and full right. exercises and stuff. But I'm starting to think that the real thing, rather than trying to be like a thick neck, you know. Um, I think that being all limber and stuff like that yeah, is good. Yeah, totally. What's your thoughts on that, Yance? I know you're a real advocate of yoga. Yeah, I'm thinking I just had to re-up my – I usually buy a 10-pack pass that cost me, I think, 75 bucks, And I think I just bought my fifth one. So I'm up to 40-some classes. You've been I'm, to yoga 40 sometimes. Yeah. 10 day, times more than me. In the last, you know, year or so, maybe a year and a half. And um, I also think it, it, it builds some core strength. It's I it, believe it, that's it, true. In me. But yeah. not in a way that, like, pumping iron will. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different kind of... Well, I, I think it's a different uh, way to get to a similar result. To, yeah. To a similar end product. Because, I think it's more effective. I mean, when the, when the, like, in our class, a lot of times we'll have, like, a 10-minute session when you've kind of done all the stretching and, and the... Kumbaya for better, yeah. better <laughs> no, Kumbaya stuff kills me. It but, kills my wife, though, too. But, but, my wife's like, let's get down with it. Let's get down with it. She gets real what antsy. What I do like is that like, it's, it's a real mental challenge because they, they, we always talk about like staying in the moment. And like when and, and talks about that? Uh, the teacher and in our classes, they're like, you want to basically be concentrating on what you're doing and you're breathing. And that's it. So if you have thoughts coming into your head, like what you're going to be doing at work, because I often go like in the middle of the day at 2 p.m. Really? And so I'm thinking, and oftentimes I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with the last hour and a half of my day before I go home? And so it's a real good challenge for me to say, you know what? Don't think about that right now. You need to be thinking about your breathing and like what you're trying to do here right now and just stay in the moment. Let those thoughts come in and then go. Come in and go. Like don't, because if you, I feel like if you're sitting there for five minutes being like, yeah, then I'm going to write the, uh, do this. I'll maybe do some receipts and some reimbursements and write a budget for the next episode. And then I'm like, oh shit, you know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing yoga anymore. Um, so I like that aspect of it. You know, like it is like leave the outside world, focus on what you're doing there at the moment. Um, yeah, while, but see, that's the, that's what turned me off to it, and what still turns me off to it is I'm a secular person, so I don't like the the. Um, I don't like them sort of laying on you a mystical Eastern, Eastern mysticism. Yeah, a mystical aspect. Because I don't think, and I know that they would say that's all one and the same, like the Eastern mysticism is what makes the exercises good. But I think that you could be doing all that and they could be saying, I want you to think of the nastiest devil person doing the most horrible thing to someone else and, and, and fill your brain with that thought and do all those exercises and your body would come out the same. Like, I don't think your body cares that you're doing weird Eastern mysticism in your head while doing the exercises. But I, mean, so I, I would like to have a yoga place. I don't know much about it. They don't do mental masturbation. 
They don't do like that you're pretending you know, to be Eastern. The, the, the truth be told, Bikram, which is a pretty popular form of That's yoga. That's the hot yoga like my, my it's, wife it's like a, It's like a franchise. And is he the criminal? Yep, he's, he's the a criminal. criminal. He's, a, he's a molester. Molester, yeah. for sure. Uh, accused but, molester. Is he a convicted uh, molester? Accused. But I, de- I mean, I would, I would be comfortable saying... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, an accused molester. Yeah, but certainly uh, one of the kind of prophet-type personalities where he thinks he has some sort of... Yes, and yoga is but a, a he place created, for that he to occur. created a series of postures that I think are pretty damn good, and there's very little in his dialogue, which is copyrighted, which is basically all the... It's like Starbucks. It's the Starbucks of yoga. You go there, and you know exactly what you're going to get. You're not going to have a teacher that it just comes up with whatever they feel they want to do because you know they're 20 years old and yeah. they thought this is a good idea. But it's a set of postures in a series in a specific order, um, and there's very little spiritual uh, component to it. And and hatha yoga is a physical type yoga. But um, is it even yoga if there's not? A mind-body connection. I mean, that's, well, that's, that's the whole thing, yeah, right? It's if it's just I mean, body, it's the, calisthenics, basically. Well, that's a good point. That, but, I mean, the history of yoga, modern yoga, is basically an amalgamation of calisthenics and some, some historic, like, uh, spiritual practices all meshed together. I mean, the yoga that we think of is like the one that... that America, I don't know, found out about in the 60s or 70s was like a, a colonial combination of, in India, but but there was like Western influences of, of military calisthenics and like aerobics. And I mean, it's, it's not as simple to say as like, oh, the practice that we're doing now in the yoga studio you, you go to is like some 2,000-year-old yoga practice. Yeah. It's new. It's like a California roll. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just not that old. Yeah. So, and it all seems, it, to me, it seems like a no-brainer that there is a mind-body connection. That doesn't seem like. But you're also trying to commercialize a very basic religious, right. physical But in, thing. In, in our modern lives, uh, we do a lot of activities that are not very good for us, sitting at computers all day long. Um, and so doing, doing it, doing something where you have to be uncomfortable, kind of think within yourself, uh, is, seems like a pretty good So you good saying thing. you dig the, 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 no, the, I don't, the, the no, religious part. No, no, I dig the physical component. Like yeah. you are uncomfortable. They are telling you to do something uncomfortable and say, like embrace that discomfort, continue to do it and don't freak out. Yes, room, I like that. The room is hot as I mean, it is hot, and you want like you walk in there and you're like, uh, "Can I can I leave now?" And yeah, there are what's people, the new people, for not freaking out, breathing, uh, under, right. no breathing, and understanding that your body will tell you to freak out because you're not used to something, but that does not mean that you are not able to cope with that stimulus. You just yes. can, you can you can control your body's response to things. I like what you're your saying because I will oftentimes, I think that, that, that diving in very cold water, you get in very cold water and, and there's way, like if you're free diving, 
and there's like bad waves and there's just a lot of stuff going on. You tend to be like all of a sudden realize that I'm freaked out for no reason. Just like the, the, the atmosphere, the circumstances, I'm in this water, like you, your whole life you try and like not to be in cold water, right? You turn the shower on, you keep sticking your hand in there to make sure that when you get in there, it's not like that. Yeah. And you get in it and I feel myself, all of a sudden I'll catch myself and be like, why am I freaked out? Just calm down. Yeah. Calm down. And There's breath, not a problem And breath right is now. a big component to it. Yeah. And breath is a big component to yoga. And I think of you guys hustling towards animals, like full aerobic threshold, breathing hard, and then you have to take a shot. And you have to control your breath. And that's, like, that's something you can practice. Uh, it's like overcoming this like yeah. physical discomfort, calming yourself down. It's like this, it's a, it's, it's a mind-body connection where you're saying, totally. I'm freaking out right now because I just ran up this mountain and there's this buck I've been looking for for six days of investment and all this like existential stuff is coming into play, but you just have to like, like chill, yeah. chill out. I had that happen to me the other night where after we shot the buck, and it was getting dark, and it was hard to get over to where the buck was because we had to go down a big hell hole. Should we start with the whole buck story from the beginning, though? Wait, I got, a, I got something no. I got to no. add <laughs> okay, to all this before we move on. Oh, the portions of it. Well, it's an amazing story, really. Portions of it. So we get on to a Wait, buck. Oh. Before we get off the yoga thing, because I put yoga and CrossFit in the same category. It's like... it's Getting like, good at something in order to be good at it. No, 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 but doing something, simulating something to get good at something that you actually apply. And it's like, why don't people, like CrossFit and yoga, it's like, I'm gonna do these things that will make me better in the outdoors. Why not just go spend time in the outdoors if you have spare time? Why don't go biking, yeah. climbing? Like, That's my attitude. Yeah, it's like you're in this controlled environment trying to be comfortable in stress. Why not go, like if you have time to do an hour of yoga session, go on a hike, go on a run. That's what my brother bike. observed. My brother observed that the only thing CrossFit makes you good at is CrossFit. Yeah, well, yoga is similar. To and some that's, that's all activities, right? All activities are inherently activity specific. Like, like uh, the brain games, like all the, you know, yeah. crossword puzzles, like to increase your mental acuity or whatever. Yeah. Most studies point to the fact that you just get better at doing crossword puzzles. Yeah, I got you. Uh, but there is cross training is effective. And yeah, if you say, just back in the '80s, we all go cross training. No, if I you, don't even know what that shoes is. If you just if yeah. you run all day long every day, uh, that's you, all you're going to be usually, good at. You, you know, you usually you often get injured. Yeah, and so it's a way of still exercising, recovering, and gaining some new like. And all of us endurance athlete hiker types, our hamstrings are like so incredibly just taut, very. Inflexible. All the time. I mean, Yanni's proud now that he can touch his toes, but it was probably a new. I can get. Dude, I can lay my hands flat on the floor. Can you really? So, really? Can, so can I. No, but you guys are missing my point. It's like get outside. Is, no, uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm anxiously want. I, I so badly want to get back to your point. Yeah. But I. I but Rick, I, I'm trying. I think I'm trying you to, need to. While you I'm waiting to get to your point, I'm trying diversify. to figure out what Rick's point yeah. is. Yeah. You got to diversify. Diversify outside in an uncontrolled setting. Yes. To your point. I'll say that uh, I'll lead it off by saying this. I, I have a, an acquaintance who's a very, a very accomplished mountaineer. 
And he, he'll have things where he's going to go do something, and he'll be like, ah, oh, you know, you should know before we go do this. Oh, no, no, no. I do CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> so climbing this 14,000-foot peak, not no, a big deal. Yeah. I do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. We get these rocks, and we carry the rocks around, um, keep our score on a chalkboard. And, it, you know, like, and then they're like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like not the it's same not thing. The yeah, best exactly. way to train for hunting is to put a 30-pound pack on your back and go walk around where you're going to hunt. Walk around, yeah, walk Absolutely. around where you're going to hunt. Yeah. Not like, oh, I'm ready for hunting season. Been hitting the Stairmaster. Yeah. yeah. Like that has no. nothing but like Rick saying, to diversify. do yeah. with anything. Yeah. But it all it diversify in nature. You can, yeah, it is true. Can, but a lot of people have like these, you know, weird scheduled lives that we basically don't participate yeah, in. Yeah, it's better than nothing. It's all better than yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's I not will agree thing. with that. No. It's not the thing. It's not there's, two, there's two things. When, when I'm going to take a new person on a, on a rugged hunt, I tell them two things. Get your boots and break them in and get in shape. They never do either of those things. <laughs> there's I'll no get, you get your boots broken in or warm. How many times? Don't work to work. Hold the lawn in them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, they, people will not do those two things. There's no way 90 minutes of CrossFit, four or five days a week, it's prepares like 20, you. It's 20 minutes. What, whatever it is. There's no way it prepares you for a 16-hour day of looking for deer, hiking for deer, running after deer, and being mentally drained the entire day. Like, there's... Seven th- days th- in a row. Yeah. No. There's, there's nothing, nothing but... It will give you, if you already have some endurance base, uh, it'll it'll help you in some. Yeah, you part. can't go do that. I, I like mean, obviously, like if you're being you're being out of shape, athlete, and hiking all over the place, and then you're in CrossFit for two months and you haven't hiked once, and you go hiking, you're gonna feel fine. But you can't transition so, from yeah. basic. CrossFit no, to go. This and, is the thing. It's like I don't know, it's any of the endurance things. It's like if you just lift weights and you expect to like go, I don't know, be a big game hunter. Not gonna happen. Go walk. Got to be in nature. Pack weight. Walk. It's low intensity for long hours. Side hill and falling down. My. Like, uh, can't remember is, the quote. Is it hard, Steve? A quote. <laughs> is what hard? Walk, walking. Yeah, walk. It's hard. Yeah. It depends for how long. Walking is like a pretty... The kind of walking that this kind of hunting <laughs> entails. The I, I, only reason I know it's hard is because I've seen so many people fail so miserably at it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but is it hard for you? No. No. Because you've been doing it for a really I long time. I do a time. lot of walking all the time. Yeah. Exactly. You don't <laughs> do a lot of yoga. You the reason... You do a lot of hunting. Yeah. So that's what you got to do. No, though. that's like... That, yeah. That's kind of one of the things I was going to get at. It's like, what do you do to stay in shape for hunting? It's just like, you kind of like hunt to stay in shape for hunting. When I'm home and if I'm not going to hunt for a week or I'm not going to be out in the woods or mountains for a week, then I'll do weights. I don't know why. But if you had the opportunity, I mean, you're obligated in other realms, but if you had the opportunity, you would go out and, you know, go up to a peak or something. You yeah, ice climbing. Yeah, yeah. ice climbing have, instead of hunting. But I can't go. That's not something I'm going to go do for an hour. No, but for ju- just a performance perspective, like if uh, a sprinter just ran a uh, 100-yard 100 meter dash just ran 100 meters they're not going to be very good at it no they have to do all sorts of different types of training they do very short things very long things weights core like you got you to optimize your specific activity you have to do other things but i i think a huge point that's being overlooked here is like the mental aspect of it like you gotta know that you're gonna like 
it's going to be a shitty day. Like, you're going to hurt. You're going to fall down. You're going to be sore. You're going to be tired. Like Chafage. If, if, you're going yeah. to spook animals. If you like don't know happen. that going into it, then you're just, it, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in, I, I feel like. That's a real good point, Mental. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not able to do it. That's why, uh, there's two things I was going to talk about. I was going to mention, what's wrong, Yannis? You, you, don't, you almost no. look like you're in pain, Yannis. <laughs> he is. He's not mentally disfocused on his pain. Corey, Corey, <laughs> is, is, so, is someone saying something legs you just don't like, Yannis? Legs and lungs. So I won't. Uh, our friend Rourke, Denver, um, he ran the, for, for a period in his career, he ran the BUDS program. So it's the, uh, the, the, uh, like the elimination course for the Navy SEALs. He, he ran that program for Which is obviously oh, no. extremely grueling. Yeah, it's grueling. Mentally, physically. He said all we're looking for. We're just looking for those people who cannot, who cannot quit. He says there's probably many ways to find them. We find them through the application of cold water and PT. He says you could find the same people, you know, with hot water or whatever. It's like you're just looking for the guy that won't quit. Sleep deprivation yeah, or what, yeah. Other, other military disciplines, it's just like we're going to put a ton of weight in your backpack and you are just going to walk. You can eat as much as you'd like. You're just going to walk. And we will then find the, 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 the couple percent of you who cannot quit. Yep. Another funny thing he said to me was I was asking him how they do push-ups there. And he said, you can do them however you want. You're going to do 5,000 of them today. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It is. It's that endurance, that pain tolerance. Yeah. The, the, pe- the, the people with no quitting them. Yeah. And there is some physi- physiological things going on, too. I believe so. I believe so. But I think that a big part of, like, yeah, uh, 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 to bring it full circle, I think a big part of hunting fitness, and I'm talking about, like, very demanding kind of, like, wilderness-type hunting, um, is just finding it in you to be calm and stress. So it's like, it gets dark. I was going to say, the other night we got this buck. I found myself stressed for a minute. Like, by the time I got over, I shot it with 12 minutes of legal shooting light left. By the time I got over to where it was, couldn't find it. Knew, I knew I had a good hit. Couldn't re- even figure out where it was because I had to cross a canyon to get over there. And I was like, oh, it's dark now. And, there's, and I'm just like creating problems in my head. It's going to be so late by the time, uh, whatever. And just be like, just catch yourself. Because I see sometimes people don't catch themselves well. I remember one time we got, got a little bit turned around in the Arctic, and a guy I was, took hunting, it was his first hunting trip ever, just took off into the night. He got so freaked out about where we were headed that he just got in his head in some direction and just went. And he like had a panic attack. I think that's a big part of it. And I think a big part of it too is just like having it be that you're just like, that, that uh, trying not to quit yeah like you got it like halfway or three quarters of the way up the mountain when you're like this sucks you need to be able to look up and be like okay i just gotta keep walking yeah no big deal i was talking to an old man one time at the i was at the rocky mountain elk foundation thing in in las vegas and was talking to an old man he's a very accomplished big game hunter and you know he did a lot of sheep hunting we got to talk about the demands of sheep hunting. 
and I kind of like veered the conversation toward aspects of physical fitness and it made him uncomfortable. And he said, really, it just kind of comes down to putting one foot in front of the other. Yep. It's a project. <laughs> I look at it as a, a project, but I will say like when you're hunting with other dudes or chicks or whatever, like it can be tough because like we might be on the same like level of mental and physical ability but like there's no way I can walk up a hill quite as fast as Giannis because his freaking stride is like He's five the, times longer than me. foot tall. You know what I mean? Like tonight he was um retired. He, no, he wasn't going too fast tonight. He's creeping. Normally the Eagles is um Speed faster <laughs> than I am. But tonight I kept kind of bumping into him. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like when you tired. hunt with, even if you hunt with someone who's in shape, like you still might not be on the same timing. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like That's you're going to get there when you get there, but. Yeah. The eagle's a fast walker. Everyone has their strengths. My final uh, thought here on the, the yoga. Why, why and do you hate this conversation? Why do you hate this conversation so much? I don't hate it at all. Oh, I feel like you look really like you're in pain. I almost. really enjoy it. Oh, you're you're. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm like thinking about the next time I'm going to go to my yoga class. We're gonna we're gonna go together and or go on a bike ride. ride. Yeah, ben, bike ben ride beyond. Okay, Steve, so when you're there, we're gonna go. But um, what, you're thinking about what? I now? do really enjoy just doing yoga. I want to get better at doing yoga. But this hunting season, I felt as good as I've ever. But not, maybe not ever. Maybe not as good as I felt when I was 20 and, and elk hunt for the first time. But like in a long time, just like, and, and it's the, like, the, it's Can not, I, it's not like hunting. Do you feel like you were in better shape when you were 20? No way. You, you, you. Well, I was probably still smoking cigarettes at 20, but yeah, recovery. My 40-year-old like self would smoke my 20-year-old self. I just drink so I, much stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It just surprised me that you, because I would. Somewhere in there, I, I was like, I quit smoking cigarettes, and I got in pretty good shape. I started running, you know, Vail Half Marathon. Quit drinking quite so much. Yeah, probably not. But um, I was going to say, it's like the, uh, the things that, like, even if you went hunting more and tried to replicate it, and you're like, I'm going to go out and train to hunt today on the mountain with a backpack on, and I'm going to sneak up on deer. You're still just not going to put yourself somehow in those positions that you actually do when you're hunting. It's like it'd just be almost too hard to, to like mentally be like, oh, right now I'm going to act like I got into some deer and get down on my knees and then kind of go halfway down and just kind of sit there on the side of this mountain like this with my knees stuck on a rock <laughs> Yeah. For 15 minutes. And, and that's like, it's a good move. idea to I be like, oh, move. I'm going to go train on the mountain to hunt. Yeah. But, but that's where yoga. I feel like, yes, yeah. in these positions where I'm like on my knees yeah. and I'm like, okay, it's gonna, I got to sit here because if I, if I do like this, they're going to see busted. me. And I'm going to get up on like, you know, like lift my head up another foot. She's going to see my head or whatever. Those are the kind of like things that were yoga. I'm like, man, I feel great doing this right now. I've been stuck in this position for 40 minutes and I'm not like in pain or stressing about it that I need to move my leg. Yeah. So no, I get that. Yeah. What else? Big bucks and little you, bucks. You want to talk about big bucks and little bucks. What about coyotes too? 
Oh, yeah, two times this week, we had coyotes come and run off uh, or harass, run off or harass, and or harass bucks we were looking at. Well, now, one was... Di- yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, one... The interesting buck, the smart the, buck. The very interesting buck just let everyone else go and stood still for an hour. Yeah. He was in a little aspen grove with a bunch of does. I don't know how many does came out of there. Eight. The eagle glasses up three coyotes coming down the mountain. Charging down the mountain. Says they're going to go into that aspen patch where all the deer are. Deer come out of there. I likened it to squeezing the tube of toothpaste. (laughs) Just deer started shooting out of the aspen patch. And there's a buck we were watching in there. Knew he was in there. A good one. Stands up and that son of a bitch would not move. Just stock still. He's like, I'm not gonna be running out of here all excited, getting shot at by guns. I like where I am. <laughs> I'm gonna stay. <laughs> I'm brushed out patch and let the ladies run around, and I am not yeah. moving because dudes that move get shot at. The coyotes moved through. He stood for a while longer, forever and longer. Back down, forever yeah. longer, yeah, forever longer, and then laid right back down. Even though all of his ladies had left. Yep, they came the back. Aspen patch cleaned out. Yeah. They came back to him. A couple did. A couple did. But it cleaned out, and he was like weighing it. That's how big bucks get big. He's weighing it in his mind. He's like, what's worse? I'll stomp that coyote. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> they're all running. I'm not going to expose myself in the middle yep. of the day. Because what's a coyote going to go after? A running deer, more than likely. Later, we got to see the same buck. Brody, two times. The same buck where... We saw him see a person, in this case, Brody. No fault, Brody's. Some doles are running around, getting all excited. And he just very kind of like slowly, not a lot of hubbub, just kind of crept out of the area. No hopping and jumping around, sticking his head up. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to. That was a smart buck. Yeah. You see, like, watching him, you go, like, that's how you become six years old. With all manner of people out trying to kill you. But coyote round number two was kind of a completely different situation. That buck played his cards completely differently. Yeah. He, he was just with those does. Those does booked. He was with eight or nine does. Coyotes come rolling through. The does all booked, spill off the hill. A couple minutes later, four drift back around right where they came from but not him yep that buck decided that it was worthwhile to go to a new area to just be away from the action for a while yeah didn't go far went to where he could just watch stuff happening i felt like but it's good it's funny to watch the like the gears turning in the head man yeah assessing risk yep in arctic dreams Barry Lopez has a, he's talking about polar bear, how long a polar bear can live. And he has a line in there where he says that um, he's about if the bear doesn't make any mistakes, 25 years. That's impressive. Yeah, and I just thought it was like a good way of putting it. If he doesn't make any mistakes. Yeah. And learns not to make mistakes. Yeah. Doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, what's a deer what's, make mistakes? What's, what's a I mean a big buck? What's their long term? Like six, six year old. Yeah, 
can be has ancient be big. But like in if they weren't going to get shot, what's their life expectancy in the wild? Not I can tell you this, not nearly as long as females because they run themselves too ragged. So you have like 20-year-old cow elk turning up all the time. A 10-year-old right. bull's very old. Yep. No, like doll sheep again. You you can have ewes 18, 19 years old. A ram tends to go very quickly from being top dog to dead dog. I think mule deer pop off the top, same. man. That, that goes for they everybody, Because right? they deplete yeah, themselves. It's, not, it's okay to say not getting shot at, but I think it's important to add on to that, that it's like, you know, we always talk about the, like hunter mortality. You know, getting shot at is like such a small percentage yeah. of, of why these animals are dying, right. you know, right. at, at these, at any age. But like, like you're saying, they wear themselves ragged, and so they're more susceptible to, you know, starvation, predation, you know, pred- and predation. You know, and so a lot like wolves in Yellowstone, they're always taking up down big, worn down bulls. Yeah, yeah, you know, Absol- absolutely. Yeah, you will find it like in certain pre- areas, lions target lions will target rutted out. They're slow. Rutted out. No, bulls. and I imagine it's. I mean, it's very probably closely related. Uh, a big buck that's in his prime and a a buck that's about to well prime and and over the hill is or is a, very, a year a year yeah, apart right yeah I think yeah I mean I think a seven or eight year old mule deer buck is ancient and they don't have like a retirement no they don't have like oh look at those young bucks off chasing no. those ladies like, the, <laughs> I remember those days <laughs> it's like last year was a really good year and now I'm dead <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's, I think that would go for humans if like we didn't have uh, do like a good 20 years and then there's like the special old horse pasture and you're always like what are those horses and they're like ah they're like they did their work now they just get to live out their days yeah. on that pasture yeah because they closed all the slaughter facilities but we also got to see uh, <laughs> no more gloom we also got to see a lot of cool young buck behavior too yeah which is you know the thing that Brody and I were talking about is um the thing I like hunting mule deer in open countries, you, you you see so much body language and social interactions with the animals. Yep. Something you get to view them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Something you mentioned last night, Brody, after that close encounter with the doe and two fawns is their, yeah. their vocal interaction that yeah, most people don't. Yeah, uh, a order. lot of people I may not know it. I mean, I'm sure Steve and Giannis have heard it, but if you're real close to them and it's a quiet day, they talk to each other a lot, like little grunts and mews and, and stuff. And people don't think a deer is like a vocal animal, but I, I, I've heard a lot where a doe talks to her fawns. And it, it, it's cool if you're close enough to hear it. In one of his turkey hunting tapes, Will Primos talks about uh, with turkeys, he says, there's all the sounds you know. Because he's talking about when you just sit and have turkeys come by you. They're, all, they're making all kinds of noises. Yeah. But not noises that carry at all. But when yeah. you're super close to them, you realize they're constantly carrying yep. it. Yeah. Like, like, inau- like inaudible to you. Like, you're not going to hear it 50 yards away. Right. When they're right there, you realize, like, man, they are just communicating. Yep. I'm here. Yep. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to each other, you know? And then the body language, too. Like, we saw those fawns, like, bickering with each other and getting nasty with, she- with each other. And the the young bucks nose in the does and the does not paying attention to them. The big bucks chasing does and giant circles. The thing I like a lot is uh, when you you glass up some deer, that you locate other deer based on that you'll you'll realize a deer is there that you cannot see based on the tension in the group of deer when a new deer is coming. The buck I shot today 
the the doe stepped into a little opening that was a deer's body width wide and she turned around and looked down the hill and I knew that that buck was behind her. Yeah. I, I couldn't see him, but I knew but it was not coming. A fawn. She's not yeah. doing because it's a fawn. Yeah. She's doing that because this is that dude yeah. that's had his nose in my ass yep. all yeah. morning long. Yep. Yeah. No, when we were first classing those ones up and we just saw does and we didn't even see the buck, but then we saw, I saw through the. That's right. You even said, you even said, terrible little LCD viewfinder on. Looks like she's getting pestered. Yeah. yeah. You she said, was, I just saw one of them get pestered. Yeah. It turns out there was a buck in the yeah. group. Very true. Yeah, like I, you, you don't see that sitting in a tree stand and with a bunch of hardwood oaks around you. Like, you don't see the deer long whitetails long enough to see much of that. Yeah, I think it it does happen. Not nearly like yeah. it does when you get spent yeah. like a whole morning yeah. watching, watching a big group from a thousand deer. yards away. Just over the course of two hours of interaction among one you know f- group of deer, it's super cool. I mean, it was cool to go from POW, which was our last hunt. Yeah. Where you catch just a oh, glimpse saw, of a deer. We saw such glimpses. And this, this, this round, we saw so many deer and glassed up so many, like, it was so, Every many, hunt. so many stalks and so many, like, like, from my camera guy perspective, like, over the rifle, whether we were going to shoot or not, I had... You know the the host in frame with the animal. Yeah, it's just a cool. It's a cool thing. Me and Corey did see an interaction that in POW, even though the, the the glimpses are so fleeting of deer when you're in the coastal rainforest, we saw an interaction where I blew a fawn distress call, and a doe came in with a fawn, and then for whatever reason kicked the shit out of the fawn, like. 10 feet away, not 10 feet, I'm exaggerating, but it was extremely close. 20 feet, man. It came like out. you've been a bad child kind of thing. Well, I was wondering, because she, she comes in, because she's coming running in to, she's coming running in to protect. Presumably, it's like you're making the sound of a, of a fawn getting attacked. Yep. She runs in to defend the fawn. The fawn follows her. I wonder if she's saying, get out of here, to the fawn, if she's saying, don't, the same way, if you like see if you're with your kids and you see like an altercation break out in a parking lot, it like if your kid were to like run toward the altercation or a fire or something, yeah, follow you, you would like into the altercation, yeah, right? Yeah. You'd be like, what? Get no! What are you doing? Yeah, you go over there, you know, or like yeah, anything like that. And I and I kept wondering like what was the thing there? Was she turning? She kind of yeah, really, she, like, they both stood up, yeah, like she was with her front, yeah. The but she she also could have been saying like, all right. If we get closer, we see the predator. This is what you have to do. You need to stand up and getting like punch, pummel, getting ready to punch up. Yeah. Because they both kind of kicked at each other. Like yeah. the fawn yeah. kind of defended itself. Like remember a what bit. I taught you? Like, like this, yeah, mom. Let's let's get abusive. Let's like, let's get feisty. No, they were there for a while too. Yeah, Yanni's buddy Jay Miller was just telling me the other night about. Um, I didn't see. I didn't use his full name, so folks can't look him up. <laughs> Keep it secret. There, yeah. Jay Miller. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's lots. Had of a buddy of his call up, and, and the, the guy, every time he cuts hay bales, Jay Miller's buddy cuts hay bales open, round bales, or no, probably square bales. Either way, he takes all the twine and lays all the twine over the fence, and ha- over the years has built up quite an accumulation of twine on the fence where he feeds his livestock. 
a buck comes in there to get hay. Leftover, you know? Leftover hay. And he's feeding around where all the twine is and gets himself so wrapped up in the twine that he's stuck to the fence. For some reason, I think they were like loops. Loops? Is how I understood it. Because he was like taking the loops off the bale somehow and then just instead of cutting it, taking the loop off and then throwing it over a single post. I understood it as... He was taking the loops off because then that, that gives it like the buck something to get actually get caught in. Because I feel point. like it was just like a you know one string and it, you don't really get yeah, caught up. Yeah. So he had thrown these loops over like a single post and accumulated them over years and years and years. And right in that area, there was leftover hay. Buck come in, eating that. Got get, entangled. And gets entangled. Then tell him what happened. <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> he's a Japanese cowboy. As was explained to us. Yeah. It was very important that we understood that part <laughs> of the story. Well, yeah, because then you get to do like, you know, whatever you think your Japanese cowboy accent is. <laughs> Mr. Miller was doing that accent. And he loves the guy. Great neighbor, I think, of his. But uh, anyways, he says he's got a buck stuck in the uh, the twine. And uh I guess he went down there with, what did he say he had? He had a sickle. A sickle. <laughs> <laughs> Which, why in the hell the, the cowboy so. had a sickle? I don't know. But he was going in there and jumping Jimmy Miller. In, Jay Miller. Yeah. Slicing two, three, four, how many ever, you know, chunks of twine. Jumping out. And then when he finally got the last chunk that freed that buck. That buck stood and looked at Mr. Miller and said, you must be the one that caused this problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then came after him. I believe, I'm trying to think now, the story went that he grabbed him by the horns, but still the force pushed him. Because we were talking about the power yeah, and of Yeah, ripped of parallel lines up yeah. each, ripped through his jeans, parallel lines up each leg. Mm-hmm. And he said that he'll never do that again. Never do that again. <laughs> the next time, the Japanese cowboy calls me up about a box stop. <laughs> Staying out of it. We had this buck wandering around our, our uh, neighborhood a few years ago. We called him Ropey, a big buck, but he had this rope. Was he named kind of after you? No, no. Ropey? Ropey. Oh, rope, because he had this like length of rope in his antlers. <laughs> And I had a buddy that lived across town from me, not far away, a half mile, called me up and said, Ropey's got this forkhorn. Ropey was big. And I don't know why a forkhorn would have been messing with him, but it was after the rut and they were fooling around or whatever. And he got this forkhorn stuck in his antlers and the rope, busted that forkhorn's neck, and he, but the fork, he was still alive and... They had to come and shoot that forkhorn and cut him loose from that buck. Is that right? Right in town, yeah. Now, you know how you were wondering like, why they'd be fighting? Yeah. Uh, years ago, my brother had a bighorn sheep tag. And we glassed up some rams. And it was a, a, a nice big ram that we were after. But he's running with a bunch of little shavers. And we crawled in on him. And he got all set up, waiting for a shot. And the big one just wouldn't get up. The little ones would honestly, they, they, I wish I had this on film. The little ones would go up to the big one and hook their horn onto his horn. 
like you're hooking a car to a trailer to try to drag him onto his feet to spar. Wanting to play with him, basically. Yeah, but they yeah. come into his curl, yep. hook their curl on his curl, and try to back up and lift him up onto his feet. Maybe a way of learning or something. And now yeah. and then, he would get up and do a little number with him. And, and yeah. in fact, it was one of those times that... Boom. Yeah, and he, his, yeah. He, it was his last fight. The last fight he was ever in. But yeah, it was like they just wanted to... Yeah. Square up with Mr. Big, you know, just to see. Well, what yeah. yeah, I think there's more to it though because uh, they do a lot of that. The sheep, especially, I think bucks and bulls do it too outside of the rut when they're not actually fighting. And I think a lot of it is because they don't have a mirror to look at and go, "Oh, I'm a 180 class thick horn timber buck." My next I'm, one, I'm, 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 <laughs> a good I'm kicking ass. <laughs> Like they, th- th- that's how they have to look yeah. at, at, the, at who's around them and then go and feel what it feels like when they're putting their heads together, yeah. fight a little bit, spar a little bit. And, and they don't always have to do it to the death. They can do it gently, very and, gently, and get sometimes. a sense of who, if what they have on their heads and what kind of dominance they, you know, they could maybe exert then later actually during the rut. In particular, I've seen bull, like late season bulls very gently sparring with each other just mm-hmm. like tickling antlers we you saw know? that hunting with cal mm-hmm. we saw some a couple bulls kind of tearing it up yeah late now i i read i never looked into the see the validity of this but i remember reading something to the effect of that oftentimes a big buck will spend a lot of time with bucks outside of his age class and someone was 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 postulating that it was uh, it alleviated some stress that if he's hanging out with a bunch of peers, there's more uh, hierarchical fighting going on. And when you have these sort of separated age classes, they don't need to spend as, I don't know if this is total BS or It not. sounds plausible. So I was saying, like, a theory on that was it's just, it's easier for them to be in a situation, one that, that's like a very clearly established hierarchy. That makes sense. Like, po- like to me, that makes sense. Like post rut, like pre rut, like when they're still in velvet, you often see like a bunch of bucks of the same class together. Yeah. Because they're just not mad at each other that time of year, you know. That's why um, it's stressful for me to hunt with the eagle, right? Yeah. Because we're always yeah. like, well, who's better at glass and who can walk faster? And, and there is stuff. like this. If I hunt with dirt, I know I'm going <laughs> to outglass them. I, I, I think not stressful. I, I think dirt can has. Can you outhike him, though? Can you outhike I cannot dirt? outhike dirt. I I, outhike you guys are working on my eagle eyes. Yeah. I, I think your, 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 your assessment of dirt needs to be upgraded because he's starting to see animals a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Dirt is getting good? Yes. Better, not good. Listen, I can't out-hike yeah, him, I can't out-carry him, I can't out him, but I can out-glass him. You definitely <laughs> don't have as much chest, Harrison. <laughs> I can't out-hair him. <laughs> Corey, what do you think about all this? You've been pretty quiet. No, this hunt has been awesome. I mean, it's challenging in the in the physical sense, but then again, like you said earlier about watching the personalities of the each animal because you can see so far out there and and learn a lot about them and like you can almost maybe pick up on personalities of each animal yeah which is really cool 
without amp- anthropomorphizing the whole thing. Like, oh, that's a cute one. She's angry and yeah, feisty. <laughs> 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 well, you get to name them. Like, like we that one buck that Steve got. We got to watch it. We got to chase it for ten hours. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and both of us. See how he his approach with the ladies. Aggressive. Yep. Storming. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> yeah. That guy. That guy needs to learn a thing yeah. or two about finesse. That was the longest hunt I've ever been involved with for one animal. And both of us it's were like involved. hours in a day. Yeah, I mean, it was dawn until dark. Yeah. yeah. Nonstop. It was shortly after daylight till 12 minutes before. Yeah. That yeah, was that, that was, yeah. Mo- one of the most satisfying hunting days of my life, for sure. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Hey, everybody. I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who, over recent months, I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. On X Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. This hunting season, they will have a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like leaf off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back 
and imagery on demand. On top of that, OnX is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates OnX has for this hunting season. Try OnX Hunt free for seven days or go to onxmaps.com slash hunt and use code MEATEATER for 20% off your new OnX Hunt membership. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the app I use most. I love it. I cannot picture life without it. Use code MEATEATER for 20% off on your new OnX Hunt membership. Yanni, what was that closing thought you had about Dartmouth? It was. If you're ready for your closing thought, yeah. If we're ready to go there, I can start. I can well, kick off. Is there off. any other? Is, is there any other uh, pressing issues we need to discuss that can't be that, that would fall outside of closing thought? Hikers and bikers. Oh, Rick, real quick. Have have you got have have ladies contacted you? Have women contacted you based on me plugging you as a single man? I received one message on the one it, on That's all it takes. That just said I'm a lady, and I listen to. The so there is there is a podcast. woman. There is a woman. There is one. There is a woman who's listening, right? Well, I feel like just there one? might be more than there that. There used to be two. My mother-in-law my, used to listen. My Instagram. Oh, kiss her. I yeah. Also, oh, I, listen. You want to hear a story that I feel horrible about? I'll tell that story real quick. But first, Rick, um, one woman has contacted you. Yeah, that's like it. Directly. There might be more, I'm, but you haven't. There checked. might be a few that have followed me, but they haven't. They haven't, they haven't sent reached me. out. No, they're, they they're being coy, or just you know not interested. Well, yeah, <laughs> very. They you know followed me to see all my Instagram photos, and they're like, "Yeah, this guy, what a yeah." He's going but to he's too much. artsy. So, at, too artsy. But the, at the very least, uh, you do have female listeners, Steve. That's good. You should be proud of yourself. So. Giannis's mother-in-law. Giannis's father tells me a rather colorful story. I relate the story. Don't put any spin on it. Just relate the story. And she gets so mad at me that now she says she won't listen anymore. When all I did was told something that was told to me. Is she mad at your dad? Probably. Oh. You think so? I don't know. Would he? Uh, would that upset him? I don't think she's actually mad at anybody. But she didn't just like disapproving. It. Yeah, but you see the situation that puts me in, mm-hmm. where I'm just telling a story someone else told me. Mm-hmm. It's like shooting. But you chose to tell. Shooting him. the messenger, man. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're closing thought about dirt. I'm trying to think why we were talking about this, about what we were all doing. Uh, is it about getting up to go to school? About getting up early or something? Oh. I, I, and <laughs> yes. And <it> Dirt <laughs> pipes up with, I had to milk a cow every day before going to school. <laughs> that sucked. And I, someone else must have been complaining about having to shovel snow or make oatmeal or something. No, it's just getting up early. Just yeah, getting up exactly. early. I was like, and then I couldn't have Cocoa Blast. <laughs> Dirt's like, I had to go milk yeah. a cow. No, we were getting nostalgia about uh, our mom's 
and how they would prepare the morning and oh, will always wake us up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was talking oh, about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is getting warm milk and tea. <laughs> Dirt had to just get kicked out of bed to go milk the cow. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know what? I do not have another peer that I can certainly think of quickly that can say that as a child, they were milking the cow before they went to school every well, day. Well, my friend Farley had to milk a whole shitload yeah, of them, but that was a family business. <laughs> so it's different. We got on rolling cars today, and Dirt's like, yeah. My brother rolled a car twice. Both times he was racing me. <laughs> uh, both regretful moments, but... So that's all you got? Yeah, I just think that that kind of adds for the people that are following along. No, I don't mean listen, it's not a good... I don't mean it was bad. Podcast, just, it, is like, it adds a nice uh, little layer of, of character to dirt. You know, you kind of you know, know where you came from. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean, to, my, I didn't, no, I didn't mean to think that it wasn't enough. I just didn't know if you, you know, if you had a little more you needed to Mm-mm. get out. Corey? I don't think I would ever uh, plan a big mule deer hunt around a big election because some t- <laughs> I think it took away a little bit from it was our... It very distracting. Uh, very distracting Holy at one moment because we were in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone service, no contact with any, anyone. I think we waited... A day. A day before we found out who was going to be the next president. we didn't president. have our satellite phone. Didn't have the satellite phone. We, forget, we put it in the truck because probably weight or room in the raft or something. But We asked some guy in a boat who won. Now, I had that happen during Bush Gore where we put off a trip for the election. The next day, no one knew, and we're like, well, let's just go anyways. We went then did a float trip for four days, came yep. out. Well, who won? They still don't know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> another another popular vote winner, loser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> popular vote, electoral vote. Yeah, it was it was like it was like so. Um, yeah, it's hard to. It was an odd. It was just a, the way de- to camp. Like not the knowing. delivery was. No, and it's just weird. I think unexpected. Ah, ah, like, yeah, yeah, like, like, so who's it, president? No, yeah. and, and of the United not, States. Of no, America? and we're not our leader. We're not we're a group camp. of people that that doesn't care. I think all of us, in our own way, are politically engaged and very much care about the process and the outcome. And to like sit up, sit up and be uh, glassing for for deer was both uh, satisfying and yeah. disconcerting. Like yeah. it was a strange combination of like, thank God I'm not watching the pundits, like give me the play by play. Like at the time I was like, oh, this kind of feels good that I'm like kind of removed from the process. But then once the process was over and I knew people knew, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I don't know mm-hmm. what the outcome is. Like, and, and then we we ultimately were interested and we found out via radio. That. And then there was a lot of uh, disbelief. That, yeah, that so, so, I mean, and, this is yeah. my personal, like, uh, concluding thoughts, but we found out on radio, and Steve said, Trump, Trump won. And uh, I was like, oh, uh, are you, are you uh, screwing with me? You know, like... Like everybody in the nation, I think everyone in the whole country, because it had been yeah. so. It had but been but pounded, I'm on. It had ra- been pounded into your head that it was I'm, impossible. I'm on radio with with Steve, who's hearing this information via somebody else, you know, and it's like, ah, are you just messing with me? Like, 
And no, but I really all day hoped that I was being messed with a little bit. You were upset. Uh, yeah, I was like, I felt ill. But I, I did. I, I. But that cheered you up. No, I was happy. To, <laughs> I was happy to get this news. Such, in, in in I felt ill, sort of hearing that news. But in a group of people with such diverse political feelings, yeah, all, that are all rational and information based, and so, I feel like there's still a very large uh, contingent of America that votes based on feeling, which I res- respect. But information and facts are really important to me, and I think one reason I uh, respect Steve so much, and we disagree politically slightly, I think we're on kind of two sides of the same coin, Um, but he's an information-based human. It's like if there's facts that tell him to believe a certain way, uh, he looks at them and is like, okay, I'm going to engage with those facts. Like, yeah, yeah, and uh, and so to be with a gr- group of people that we could discuss uh, the Trump presidency with with uh, with facts and with openness and an understanding that everybody has a different feeling about a lot of different things. While we're waiting for a mule deer buck, while to stand we're up waiting for a mule deer buck, was like a pretty. <laughs> I, I, it was a good. It was a good. I think I would have been much less satisfied to watch this all unfold on CNN in my house by myself. Gotcha. Because we we get we get pretty compartmentalized in our own little like uh, bubbles, and I think that people are talking about that. But you guys all the bu- the, bu- the, the bubbleness is becoming a problem. It is definitely becoming a problem. Yeah. But my work uh, with this crew, just in general, I'm not a hunter. I have different political beliefs than than uh, than I I think other people. My feelings about yoga are slightly different than other. But but we can all talk about this and like not get angry at each other and i think it's man if if the rest of america had our little deal going on we wouldn't have such issues it was interesting like we were huddled down waiting for that bug to stand up <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the whole time rick and i are just like talking about the election like, <laughs> <laughs> okay I, all right that was your concluding thought yeah i loved it now i'm gonna i'm gonna build on that um with a couple thoughts here. Now, I, I want to preface these thoughts by saying that I made a conscious decision, a conscious decision a long time ago that in my public-facing comments, like in my, in my public-facing viewpoints, I was not going to discuss, I don't discuss politics. I discuss politics because it just, it just pisses too many people off. It just, it just doesn't feel to me like it's constructive. Um, and largely because I sit on, I sit simultaneously on, on both sides of the fence. For instance, I support clean air and clean water and also a robust military and capital punishment. So, like, I don't have a lot of use for conservative and liberal because I'm, um, I'm an issues person. Each, I, I look at each issue independently and I don't look toward what is the, the particular platform of a party or, like, how can I align myself like, oh, since I'm conservative, I must have this opinion. Or let me go check. Let me make a phone call to find out what my opinion is because all I know is that I'm conservative. So I don't have that approach. Um, but anyway, I, I try to avoid politics. 
except I do talk about politics when it has to do with issues of wildlife, conservation, wildlife management, hunting, fishing, how, how the political atmosphere is affecting you know, our... Public lands. Yeah, public lands, our lives as, as hunters and fishermen. So that's something I'm comfortable talking about. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk about something that's going on now and the election in terms of something that I am comfortable discussing in politics, which is public lands issue. Now, some of you may have heard that Donald Trump won the presidency. At this point right now, this is something that doesn't happen very often, but at this point right now, we have one political party. The Republican Party is now, um, holds, will, will soon hold the presidency, will hold the House, of representatives, will hold the Senate, and will soon hold, I know it's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be apolitical, but they will soon hold the Supreme Court if you imagine that their like, Republicans, had their, their nominees will have a majority in the Supreme Court. Now, here, here's a, I'm going to tell you a fact. The Republican Party... Um, has a has a list of planks in their platform. So the Republican Party has an agenda, and it's not something that need, you need to speculate about. It's a, it's a written out agenda that the party holds. That the, they hold. That, and not all Republicans believe this, but the the a uh, 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 part of the platform is that we should be getting rid of federal public lands. This isn't like, I'm not telling you like a theory. This is a thing you, I invite you to go check. The, the, the Republican National Committee came out with a, like, a, like a prioritized list. On this list is we need to be dumping federal public lands. For sale. For divesture. Yeah. Get them out of, yeah. I don't, I don't even, see, here's the thing is, I don't want to get into, I, I'm trying not to spin any of this. Right. I have theories about why that is, okay? But I, I'm just trying to lay out, I'm trying, I'm, uh, at this point, because I'm so uncomfortable discussing aspects of politics, because I'm such a mess politically, that I'm trying to just lay out like, factu- <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to lay out factual things. Yeah. So, that's, that's a, uh, it's on the Republican agenda, dumping federal public lands. And usually we have this, uh, you know, we have a system of checks and balances in this country, obviously, that, would, that exists between the Supreme Court, the President, House, and Senate. Um, and we also have a, a different sort of checks and balances, which comes about where we have two political parties that, that um, are on different sides of the aisle, and they kind of battle shit out all the time. And that, and that allows things to move slowly. And I tend to, like, people complain about gridlock, but I'll tell you this about my own personal political feelings, is I... I don't always look at gridlock as being necessarily evil because um, when things happen kind of slow and in a measured way, I feel that it lends a little bit of stability to our political lives, our social lives, our economy. And, um, and, and radical herky-jerky shit kind of makes me uneasy. Uh, so all these different... So, 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 so much of the government now is controlled by a single political party, and that political party thinks we should be dumping the, the, the federal lands... That, that we hunt and fish on. The, this is complicated. There's an upside to this. When you think that, that Trump 
isn't re- he's a Republican by name only. He's not really a Republican. Um, if we look at like a Republican as being like what the Republican Party has stood for for the last 50 years, for instance, the Republican Party has generally always stood for free trade. Um, Trump sees a lot of value in protectionism. Okay, so he's at odds with his party in that he has one view of he, he has one view that like free trade. There's some good parts to it, but free trade has also cost us a lot of manufacturing jobs and other things and allowed, you know, cheap imports to be dumped into our economy and throw our economy off. So he, 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 he departs from the party line on free trade. Um, the Republican Party has always stood for, promoted a, a very slippery term, but like traditional family values. Um, I think if you look at uh, Trump's personal life, some of his articulated opinions. I don't think that he really ascribes to what we might call like traditional family values. So he kind of parts <laughs> from that there. Very conservative traditional yeah. family values. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any religious conception of family yeah. values. Now, Republicans have generally over the years stood for um, containment of the Soviet Union, which transitioned into containment of Russia. Trump is open to finding common ground with Russia and finding ways in which we might work with Russia instead of in opposition to them. I'm, Rick, don't shake your head. I'm, I'm trying to lay out unbiased, just things that no, the man I'm, no, has I'm, said. I'm agreeing with you. I just friggin' it makes, okay, d- d- it makes d- my no one cares. brain hurt. Because we're not talking about politics right now. I'm setting up something that I want to talk about, which no, is public you're, lands. You're right. You're right. Okay. No, I'm agreeing with you, but I just my brain explodes thinking about Trump. Now, please, Rick, stop. I'm going to cut. Yanni, I'm going to have you unplug his thing. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain explodes, too. We're not talking about politics. I know. I'm laying some groundwork. No, you're talking unplug about. Unplug his thing. Trump diverging from. The Republican Party. Which is a thing that is, is like it's no a, one would disagree no, with that. No, I agree. And so, my, my brain continue. explodes with it oh, a little okay. bit. That's all. Um, <sighs> Rick, you got me all messed up. I'm trying to do something no, very you're delicately. Doing, you're doing I'm try- good. You're I'm doing, trying to do something very delicately. I think you're doing... Now, you're on target, jump man. ahead. Thursday, January 21st, 2016. I was sitting in Nevada about 40 yards away from Donald Trump when he said, what did he say, Giannis? You were sitting right next to me. What did he say about public lands? He wasn't going to sell them off. Not interested in getting rid of public lands. I'm not going to get rid of your public lands. Did you hear him? He did say he that. He said it to me yeah. and Yanni and hundreds of other people. I heard him with my own two ears and saw him with his own two eyes say it. Now, the man is going to be under intense pressure to uphold at once a, a number of campaign promises that he has made. Some of them have been described as outlandish, whatever. I don't, I don't want to get that right now. He's going to be under intense pressure and he's also going to be under intense pressure to align with Republican orthodoxy on all things. And I do, like I said, I do agree with the Republican Party on many things. I part ways with them on the issue of federal public lands. I think that people who like to hunt and who like to fish and who like to camp 
and ride ATVs and enjoy wildlife. What else am I missing? Mountain bikers, hikers. Mountain bikers, skiers, hikers. Those of us, those Americans who recreate and, and spend their time and spend their money and find their passion on public lands. Donald Trump's sons. You need to just, you need to, and I'm not, you need to, to, to say, listen, Stephen Yanni heard you say that. <laughs> yep. Stay true to that, please. Because entering into a realm where things get turned upside down and people's attentions get ban- abandoned and you make all kinds of compromises, I just hope. And where did we hunt all week? Public land. Yeah. Public land. I mean. Now, I don't want, here's the other thing. I don't want to act like the public land. We have people, you know, a lot of things. We have a lot of people who are concerned with issues like their job. We have people who are concerned with issues like civil liberties. All Americans have big issues. And, and I don't want to hold up the public lands issues being the number one problem facing the country. But because I preface this whole thing by saying that there's an aspect of politics I'm comfortable talking about because I really know it well. And that is issues surrounding wildlife management, land use. Like, I, I stay boned up on that stuff. Yeah, me too. And, and we could not have done, our entire week could not have existed without public lands. And he stood there in front of me and Yanni and said, I will not sell your public lands. Not interested in getting rid of your public lands. Uh, Brody, what's your uh, concluding thought? Don't talk about politics, man. Unplug your damn mic. That's all? That's all? Rick, I I swear to God, you already did your thing. I love you and respect you. I'm not going to talk about politics or Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, I agree with you, I guess I I should talk about mule deer. You got a concluding thought? I kind of want to talk about beavers, but we didn't get there. (laughs) Oh, please. Please talk about beavers. Well, I got my first beaver... Right before the hunt. Tell them about Colorado's rule on beavers. No trapping. Which, I don't is, know. A bu- which is bullshit. Well, they're trying to outlaw it. Well, it, did that? Get, what happened with got, that in Montana? Got destroyed in Montana. Yeah. So Montana had I was I one seven seven, or they had some initiative where they put up. Where you couldn't trap on public land anymore. Right. Boy, that didn't go over real well. Sixty eight percent of the vote against that initiative. Well, look at a state like. I feel like it could happen in Montana. If it, no, it if, couldn't. It just got destroyed. I know, but I'm saying if Montana becomes more like urbanized, Colorado. more gentrified. Yeah, the minute Colorado had 51% of its population living in Denver on the front and Fort range, Collins, yeah. they got trapped. Right. So it's like, a, it, that's why I was saying we, we live in this weird time where, on one hand, we have people trying to get rid of our public lands, and then we have this other group of people from, you know, presumably from very much across the aisle from that group. Yeah. Trying to lock out an entire segment user of, yeah, group, yeah, who's been using a sustainable, renewable resource based on the idea for that for hundreds of years, for longer than it's even been a damn state, yeah. But no one wants, no one can. Those people can't wrap their head around an animal dying in a trap, right? No, they can just wrap their heads around the 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 scores of animal deaths that they encounter every week. On highways. On their, and, no, on yeah. their plate. Yeah. Like when they get a chicken nuggets, 
How many damn <laughs> chickens? How many damn chickens are into one chicken right. nugget? Uh, I can tell you, it ain't one. Right. No. But either way, I, I Colorado outlawed trapping. Yeah. Fifteen, twenty years ago, I don't know how. Uh, based on a voter referendum, much like they voted out spring bear hunting, hunting bears with dogs, hunting Death bears by a with bait. Right. But either way, someone was smart enough to say, well, if you can't trap them, then you can hunt them on a small game license. And I shot a beaver on a small game license 10 days ago, right before this hunt. And uh, with Steve's guidance, skinned it, made a nice little round Thing, and now I'm gonna have either around by, by which he means he round skinned round skinned it. Yep. Yeah. And I'm either gonna do mitts or a, a trooper hat. I'm not sure yet. But he's what. gonna use the he's gonna use the services of Clifford's Critter Creations. Yeah. Who does anyone looking to have uh, custom work done with your own furs? I used to trap stuff and sell yeah. it. Now I trap stuff. We just have hats and stuff right. made for it. Like my brother, last beaver we got, he had a nice hat made for his wife. But we were hoping. On the float portion of this hunt, that we'd run into a beaver, it just didn't happen. Yeah, when you look at when what Colorado did when when they had the referendum to ban trapping, Colorado, I didn't notice till Brody told me, they just moved all the fur bears to small game over onto the small game list, and so this is like the only state that I've ever that I know about you can hunt beavers with a twenty-two. Yep. It's the only way. I mean, basically, it's the only way to get a beaver now. There's like a certain irony there where. Someone's telling me, if, if you look at like when, when California banned lion hunting, you look at like what the annual harvest was of lions in California. I, I, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like it was somewhere in the vicinity of like 300 lions right. a year, annual harvest of California. Now you look at what animal control services, guess how many lions animal control services kills every year in California? That many. Oh, 300. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, well like- <laughs> in Colorado, they outlawed spring bear hunting, dog hunting, bait hunting. And I'm not a, at all a big fan of bait hunting for bears, but the last time they had done... Well, do you mean that you don't have any desire to do it, or you I, don't I think just, folks I, should be able to do it? No, people can do it. It's just not something yeah, I want to do. Yeah, it's like yeah. when I look... I, like, I love to hunt bears, yeah. but it's just like I like to hunt bears, spot, yeah. stalk, but that doesn't mean that that's not any kind of comment on how other people right. like to hunt, just how no. I like to hunt them. No. Yeah. But either way, Colorado, the last time they did a, a major population study on black bears was sometime around the time they banned that stuff and there was X number of bears. They recently did a study 20 years later or 15 years later since that's, that, that type of hunting had been banned and found out the population of black bears in Colorado had essentially doubled. And now the only way to control that population is a is a fairly difficult fall bear hunting season. Yeah. But we just talked to a biologist who said they're fixing to start doing some state-sponsored bear control. Right. Right. So you remove, like you make it that people, the paying customer, the license-buying customer, who's going to go out and buy a license that supports fishing game and then do a bear hunt, get a bear, have the meat, have the hide. It's like, oh, no, it's better if we just have government guys. Snipe them. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the solution. Yeah. 
I mean, I would I, I would be such a huge fan of a spring bear season, and not with I don't need dogs. I don't need bait. I would love to be go be able to go do a spot and stock hunt like Montana has in the spring. Yeah, and you can't bait Montana, and you can't run dogs in Montana, but it's not coming from the place that when people are trying to ban the practices, it's like traditional use patterns. And I right. think when you look at when I look at hunting um, and fishing in the regu- in the regulatory structures that we have, I give a lot. And I, I didn't invent this; it's a, it's, a, it's a common idea. But I give a lot of credence to traditional use patterns. Yeah. So what are the things that, that people have traditionally done here? And it gives you a good framework to understand new things. For instance, so many states are getting out ahead of the drone situation. Yep. And it's so easy to ban drones now for the use of hunting. And I got what, 13 states, almost every state where you'd even have, where you have open enough country that it would even Typical matter. Typical Western hunting states. Yeah. Have all banned the use of drones yeah. in hunting. Why was it easy to do that? It's not a traditional use practice. Yeah. There's no resistance. In fact, hunters are the most vocal yep. proponents of getting out ahead of the drone situation and banning the use of drones and hunting. So there is like a real, uh, there's a reverence toward traditional use practices. And when we go in and say, like, when we go in and try to pluck out traditional use practices, that we've already formed a successful wildlife management system in conjunction with you're going to hit a lot of resistance from hunters and fishermen. Yeah, but when you turn that decision over to people who have no connection to hunting and fishing, then a traditional use pattern can be just yanked out of existence, basically. People who are like, you know, I wouldn't know a lion if it was chewing on my foot, but a fellow (laughs) damn sure shouldn't be able to hunt him. Right. Oh, you know what we glassed up tonight? I keep forgetting to talk about this. We glassed up an ermine. Oh, really? Yeah. Pure white. Pure white? Already? That's what makes the ermine ermine, you know. Well, normally Rick, of all people you know. I that. know that. Normally there's snow this time of year, and yeah. that dude doesn't know there's snow. Dude, that dude better That's... watch his ass because he's going to get nailed by, <laughs> by, a, by a raptor. Yeah, yeah. Because he just looks like, you can't miss him, man. It looks like a piece of paper yeah. blowing along across They're the mountain. They're tough, some bitches. Though. Climate change happens faster than. Faster than they can figure it out. Yeah, he's like a little, he's like a little white hot dog just running across the sage flood. Yeah, he was saying he glassed up another one the other day. Yeah, I think when we were on the river, the glass one up. We had How come you didn't tell anybody about it? Fierce. Th- those guys are fierce, man. Yeah. They'll kill a jackrabbit. Yeah. We had one hanging out in our yard last year. Oh, man. Oh, did, what, but your concluding thought, I kind of hijacked your concluding thought. No, that, that, was, that was basically it. Other than, you know, oh, th- thanks to Rick and Garrett for just hanging tough with me the last few days. Yep. Tough old coots. Yep. Rick likes those midnight, uh, not midnight. He likes those late night um, midnight hikers, man. Yeah. He says he says he enjoys it. You yeah. know, actually, I'm. I really, part of me does not like them. Especially early on when I started doing this, it's like, oh, it's dark. We should go home now. Yeah. I felt and like now, it. now I'm like, oh, this is awesome. We don't it's know. Midnight. Where, we don't know <laughs> where we're going. I felt and like there's probably some cliffs we're gonna encounter, and everybody's headlamps. <laughs> Are going to be terrible, ex- except mine. <laughs> so they're going to be like, Rick, hey, come over here. Over here. Like, I need some light. I know, yeah. Dermot, he just, Dermot throws a pebble down yeah. and it counts how long no. it takes to hit the, and then he the, decides if he the, can the, jump or not. The best one, and I think uh, somebody's, somebody's phrase that, uh, uh, what was it, Brody? Something about the path of least resistance. No, resi- I, I like the to path- say the path of least resistance is often the hardest way to go. I think that's a really, yeah. really good <laughs> metaphor for life. Like you think, oh, drainage, 
We don't have to climb any hills. We'll just until be, you get to a waterfall. We'll, yeah, until you feet. get like a 30-foot wa- waterfall and you're just stuck there and you're like, huh. Now oh, we'll be climbing a yeah, hill now to get we around this bitch. Some effort. So there is this sense that you, there's no there's no free lunch. You got to put in you got to put in your time. You got to put in your effort. I'm just going to go down that hill. I no. want you to know in that drainage I was not caught by surprise by all those No, I I've, I've walked down those no, but, many times. No, but but I do like the the severity your, of them your caught your by surprise. Op- <laughs> optimism of like, "Oh, yeah, let's pass backpacks down this little short waterfall hop that we can all climb down." And then you're like, "Oh, this next one's good." And then you look at it, you start climbing down it, and you're when like... When you walk up to the edge, oh, it's just okay, blackness. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Scary. Scared. I got a little ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah. We made it out fine. Yeah. Um, dirt? Life's good when you're sweating outside. Seeing country. Well, for, this man is a poet. <laughs> a hairy poet. poet. A hairy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a, a website to post the that Starbucks photo. Can we, oh, no, can we put, put that, that on the... Yeah, me and Dirtmouth hitting Starbucks. Yeah, sweating. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's it. Dirt, not that that wasn't enough, but th- that you, you feel satisfied. Yep. A maybe ran, maybe a, after that picture, my dad will want to hit up a Starbucks for the first time. Yanni's dad. Yanni's dad. Who I'll point out, as much as he'll, the, the, he believes he's Latvian, and he is by descent, an American-born man, try to tell me that he has never, ever, had a Starbucks coffee. Folgers man, or what is he? Not even that he's tried to avoid it. He just says that it's just never happened. I don't know if that's really possible, because I feel like you'll say to you some dude like, oh, hey, can you grab me a coffee, and but, it'll be that kind. The, the thing <laughs> is, is that my dad's not, he, he hasn't ever been much of a coffee drinker, and I think that the, the way that we consume coffee, like our generation... How often we're like, get me a coffee. Yeah, Let's yeah. go to the coffee shop. Like my dad, if you, like he would look at that and be like, that's $750 annually that I can instead be putting here. Like you're an idiot for going to spend yeah, that yeah. kind of money on cups of coffee and white, you know, cups. And in a way, he's right. So I think that's kind of how he's gotten out of it. It's, it, it so you like, believe him when he says that? Yeah. Well, he's damn sure had some now. Yeah. yeah. Those vias. <laughs> Which we love. That's something we should discuss sometime is how Via is the way to go for backpack coffee. Yeah. Backpack uh, coffee. Rick, did you do one? Did you get a concluder? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the whole trunk. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to go on? I, I got a chore. I, I got a chore. I got a chore for you, Rick. On. No, I got a chore for you, Rick, and we'll check back in. <laughs> okay. Next. I want to find a word or a phrase to explain this. This, this is this little bit. The, you can come up with it. All right. When... You know when you try to like gauge someone's judgment, right? So you get you're to know, try, yeah, you get trying, to know someone. You're trying to figure out, and then over time, you're like, yeah, this is like a re- very reliable yeah. figure. Yeah. I have a problem, not with anyone in this room, but I have a thing that I've identified over the years where, what when someone's opinion is always that that you should that you look at it's like always the easy thing but they never say like it'd be easier to but they always have a different reason but then when you look you go like oh but your reason is easier and over time you realize that every time an issue comes up they have the easy idea but they never want to do it because it's easy they always try to sell you on it with a different explanation 
It's like uh, a, ra- a rationalization of, of something with some other ulterior motive. So you're like, hey, let's go up there and look for a buck. And they're like, man, I feel like we should go down there right, and look right, for right. a buck. And then the next day, you're like, um, hey, let's, let's uh, uh, pick up these big, huge rocks and throw them. And they're like, let's, uh, I was thinking we'd pick up these little rocks and yeah, throw, them. throw them further. <laughs> and we can you, throw them further because they're yeah. little. That's and over better, time, you go idea. like, man, every time this guy has ever had a suggestion, it's always happened to be the easier. I would say that's the problem of modernity right there. Yeah. I, I want you to think about it and think right. about and think of a way to describe it. Some people just don't want to work hard. No. Yeah, oh. but I want something more like a, um, like a, like a specific. Eloquent. Yeah. Psychological. I'll I'll give you a little starter. All right, then this, we're done. This ecofeminist Val Plumwood writes about that. Just take take a An look. An ecofeminist does. Oh yeah. Ooh. Is that a guy or a girl? Girl. I was gonna say you can't be a bro ecofeminist. Uh, you can, yeah. I, well, I you am. could. I am. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that. Tune in next time. <laughs>